0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me out him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now.
0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Sponsored by Soundring Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit Audible.com slash Break It Down for your free audiobook download. Break It Down, da break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it down break it down oh Alright folks, welcome to the show. Quite a big day today, so i got a few things I'm going to tell you about and explain. First of all, the episode today, what what we're doing is, this is really a co-release episode with the podcast Urban Achiever. So let me tell you about who Urban Achiever and Billy Powers is. Uh, Billy Powers is an a r guy that is at Tooth & Nail Records. That's how I first encountered him in about 2002 or three. Uh, When we were coming up there And before that Billy was in the band Blenderhead and worked for Tooth & Nail for a long time, and uh, he left about the time that we got signed, and we're familiar with Billy, and then turns out, after all these years, Billy's into podcasting, and he's doing some great stuff. He produces another show called uh, Never Was with Mark Solomon from the band Stavesaker, and he does his show, Urban Achiever, and he has people on there and kind of goes through their life and gets details about it and figures out where they're from and stuff like that. So recently I was in New York, and Billy said he wanted to sit down and, and do that with me. So I thought it was kind of a unique opportunity so I could promote his show and tell you about it for one thing and you could get to know him and also it offers what's I guess somewhat of an indulgent uh, episode of Break It Down because the thing we're ultimately going to break down today is, you know, I guess Matt Carter himself. Billy is Billy interviews me about my life and stuff like that, so you get to hear that. So on some level, yeah, it makes me a little uncomfortable to air that on my own podcast, but I do think so many people ask me these questions, and they're things that I typically avoid and, and don't talk about uh on shows like this or even on the bc pod i don't usually go into background and that kind of over you know narrative of people's life as much or at least at least about my own so this is your chance to get some of that information and i'm glad to have billy do it because billy's a great interviewer a great personality uh and everything now i'll i'm gonna ask you to do one thing at least though and that is don't just listen to it here at least go listen to it on his feed or subscribe over there Uh, If you listen to this whole episode, that's great. But I would encourage you to go over, check out his intro to the show, see what he has to say, and become familiar with his show. Now, the other big thing is uh, you notice that drop at the beginning of the show about Jabberjaw Media. That's a big deal. I want to tell you about that. But before I tell you about that, I want to tell you about Audible and a book that I think you should get. An audio book, in fact. So I think I've talked about this book before in different places, but it really is one of my favorites. It's called Six Easy Pieces, Essentials of Physics explained by its most brilliant teacher. And this is right up my alley. And if you like the show, I think it will be for you too. So Richard Feynman is a Nobel Prize winning brilliant physicist, and he's a great teacher as well. So he was super famous for it, uh, good writer, funny guy, everything. He came back after that to teach freshman physics at Caltech. So he's teaching 101 physics, so basics of atoms and things like that on a level that can be understood but taught by one of the most brilliant minds so it's a really really rare thing but it's, it's taught like I said on a level that you or I could understand it and this audio book specifically contains the original recordings of him talking in those lectures in the 60s so it's uh, it's tremendous so that's what's great about Audible. Audible has stuff for everybody so you know, this is what I'm into, but you know, they have stuff just all across the board. They have over 180,000 audiobooks. It's spoken word stuff. A lot of it's read by the authors themselves. So if you're into podcasting, audiobooks is, you know, basically a level up from that. So you can get a free audiobook, the one I'm telling you about, or one of your choice, and a 30 day trial today if you sign up at www.audible.com break it down. So uh, I recommend that everybody do that right now. Not only that, they have a, uh, they got a guarantee that's really good. So it's their great listing guarantee. So you can't go wrong. If you decide that you don't like a book that you choose, no worries. You can just exchange it for another book. No questions asked. So, again, go to audible.com forward slash podcast. Sign up for Audible. That'll let them know. You know, just sign up for the free trial. That'll let them know that I sent you, and I appreciate that. So Jabberjaw Media, what in the world is that? You heard that at the beginning. Uh, And I don't want to take too long on this But just so it makes sense to you guys Jabberjaw Media is a new uh, podcast network It's a company that we've created So we've basically Basically been working on the Bad Christian podcast and this podcast, and uh, I've been taking meetings and meeting with a lot of people that ask me questions all the time about making podcasts and what can they do, and you know, just to make them successful. So our producer, Nick Bunda, and I, and Mike Mowry from Outer Loop Management, in conjunction with Bad Christian and Toby and Joey as well. Um, have started Jabberjaw Media, basically. So we've got a bunch of shows that we think are already really good, including um, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids has a podcast, the Metal Sucks podcast that we've done stuff with before, uh, a bunch of great ones on there, as well as two new shows, Shane from Silverstein's new Podcast called Lead Singer Syndrome, and steven from Amberlin has a new podcast called The Art Collective that launched today. So you can go find those out. We're involved in it, and I hope you like all the shows on Jabberjaw Media. So that's what that's that's what that's all about. And yeah, I forgot. Also, big thank you to SoundRink. SoundRink is an experience company. They do VIP ticketing and stuff like that, and they actually believe in Jabberjaw Media enough to have sponsored us just at launch. So. Big thanks to those guys. Check them out. All right, now let's talk to Billy Powers. Get into the episode and talk about my favorite subject, Matt Carter.
1: You comfy? You oh feel, yeah. You
0: feel good? Yeah, I do. I love it. I mean, this is—I <laughs> joke that this bus is is really feels like my real home to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have so—I mean, it's, there's something about sleeping in your bunk where it's it just feels—it's. I think I sleep better than I do at home. So I joke that my this is. My bed And then sometimes I had to stay at my wife's place yeah. is, is back home. <laughs>
1: Readjust to yeah. uh, uh, Being back in the civilian life
0: There's something about Being on your tour bus That just feels th- It's it's very peaceful Is this your bunk? Whose bunk is no, this? No, mine's actually down there oh, This is, is there? Uh, Matt McDonald's bunk I'm gonna
1: get a shot here Yeah Got the Coors Light going there Feel good about it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Coors Light
1: Yeah I gave up the drinking. Yeah, how long ago? Uh, Back in March. In March? Of this past, this year. So it's been like six months. Six like months. Oh, so yeah.
0: Why, I, why'd you give it up?
1: I'm just trying to get healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on like a lot of medications and stuff. And and uh, hi there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in front of the bathroom, so there'll be people. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, I made you. I should have pulled my legs back. That was really uncool of me. It's like a real rookie mistake on the, on the, there we go. Yeah. Do you
0: guys own this bus? Yeah, we do. We bought this bus in about 2009. Yeah. I think we started on this bus. So it was a Greyhound bus that was uh, run by a, a company that was taking it back and forth from the Canadian border to Seattle airport oh. and they maintained it super well and we bought it from them it had all the seats in it mm-hmm. we took everything out of it and Josh and his dad built these bunks back here and we've been we tried a bunch of different configurations in the front mm-hmm. and we drive it and we maintain it and we run it and it's been like the salvation of our band because it costs us almost nothing wow. to, to tour so we don't buy hotel rooms yeah. the fuel is a bit more than a van but not it's not even double a van yeah. and then we don't pay for hotels we can sleep whenever we want to it's comfortable we have our Portable green room, yeah. so it really is like the lifeblood of our. I mean, we probably would have broken up if we didn't have this bus.
1: <laughs> Except for recently when you uh your like air unit or something went out. Yeah, we had, to out. To here, yeah. So. we had a generator frying to death in here. We had
0: a generator go out. It was pretty. It was bad. <laughs> we had to put half of our money from the whole that tour went to fixing the generator really yeah so that was a bummer (laughs) of a tour for that that reason
1: and it's diesel or what yep it's diesel yeah diesel
0: bus and diesel generator show the same fuel tank
1: Do you ever thought about uh following the footsteps of the me without you guys and and collecting grease around america
0: yeah well they they were doing this before us they were part of our inspiration and everything on it we they um the difference being they were literally trying to be so hippie that they would convert grease from restaurants right like cooking oil yeah and then they then they would filter it they had a whole bay set up where they would filter the oil and then use it as you know biodiesel essentially yeah so i would never do that in a million years because it's a ton of work (laughs) it's really dirty fuel it costs a little bit but i mean yeah i mean honestly we spend a hundred and something a day on fuel yeah it's a decent cost for what we earn on the road it's it's not bad it's less than hotels i don't have any if I mean I would never spend an extra several hours of work to try to go at that time they were having to find the grease. Like that it was more common you could go to this Chinese restaurant and ask and you could get the grease. At this time right. um I thought I don't even think they're able to do it anymore. All the grease has been commoditized and there's companies that go around and pick R- it up. Right. Kind of, of course. In fact my dad does that for a living. <laughs> does he like, really? Yeah. My dad owns a business where oh, wow. they uh collect grease from places and turn it into biodiesel and sell it so wow. oddly enough my dad's even in that business but no I wouldn't I wouldn't fool with it
1: <laughs> it's like aren't you like dirty enough on the road right. between laundry and everything? you it. need to add a you layer need grease to, smell to that. like the floor at Wendy's <laughs> yeah. also it's like mm, no, this meat and the grease smells right. like a McDonald's yeah. in here
0: <laughs> well they said the weird thing is they said the the ones that would be were good would be Chinese places and the ones that were worse were the chain fast food places their oil was dirty like they like McDonald's and some of the other places and I like McDonald's but they reuse their oil more times to where it's almost unfilterable you
1: can't even use it for fuel really right yeah Mmm yummy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so something I'm curious about and and I'm and you know that I'm a long listener of uh, Bad Christian probably from the beginning mm-hmm. and I've been listening to your show, your new show. Yep. And um Something that I haven't really learned is too much personal about you. You've done a uh-huh. good job of, of uh, keeping your like upbringing and all that kind of stuff out there. Other like, I think maybe uh-huh. the most revealing moment I've heard lately was the uh, the supernatural bird story that you didn't want to tell, but that they dragged out of you the other day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some, right. Some supernatural experience that's right. involving a dove. That's or, right. uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I don't. I guess I don't think I. I see what you're saying, but I guess I don't think of it in the way that I don't feel at all like I'm trying to be reserved um, or protected like everything to protect I do in some ways feel like to sit there and just talk over and over about me and my upbringing is, is it feels arrogant to me yeah I feel like Oh, I'm not going to sit there and just tell old stories about me or yeah, like it it's feels self-important to a degree yeah, but I, but well, well, I don't what, I don't have anything that's high. Invite be interested. It's in knowing all me. happening yeah. today, dude. Okay. It's going down today. All right, all right. <laughs> all
1: right. I'll relieve you of the burden of feeling self-important. You can just say that's Billy's fault. Okay. He, it's your fault. He wrote yeah. me into it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, you know, he made me do it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I feel like in present tense stuff, you're very reveal- you'll say stuff about right. your kid and right. your wife and all that kind of stuff and whatever. But then it's like, what what led to all this stuff? You yeah. Know? I mean, that's what I'm curious about today. We're going to get into a little bit. Okay, of that. that sounds good. So, obviously, you weren't born in Seattle. No, nope. your uh, accent that you're not going to give up. I've learned also. No,
0: well, I don't see any reason why you give. Yeah, first of all, yeah. I don't actually don't consider it an accent.
1: You don't. No, it's just the way you talk.
0: Well, I would say that English is the language that, that I speak, <laughs> right. and so the people that speak it the most would be the people in England. Yeah. And I would say that what the way the way I speak is actually probably closer to the way that they speak than the people on T V. That may the be people in California and the people on the West Coast. And you know, I think that I still resemble some of the more original English accent, the normal way to speak English than than yeah. the very sterile or whatever accent it is that the t- people on people TV. People tell
1: have. me I have an accent, but I don't think that's that's well, weird to me.
0: Yeah. But. I mean I don't I just I, I just yeah, I don't plan to lose the way that I talk. I think it's right. <laughs> These are the This is the way That I think these words Should be pronounced That's how it goes Yeah well, you have the you have the
1: benefit of being a smart fellow who's into science and all that kind of stuff, so you can uh, you know you can uh, put people in their place, I guess, when the time comes. Well, I maybe. do
0: I do understand that s- s- pronouncing words the way I do makes people think I'm less intelligent, yeah, or makes anybody think anybody's less intelligent. Yeah, but it, it actually in the long run works out for me. But I think it works. I like my accent. I think it works out. Yeah, I like But that. I'm sure it, d- it makes some people think I'm a bit dumber than I might be.
1: I like the Carolina. Uh, I don't want to say it's an accent now because you've. you've <laughs> to me already, but I prefer the Carolinas to like the Kentuckys yeah. or the Alabamas or Arkansas. Sure. I'm yeah, just going to put lot that of out there. different dialects there for
0: sure. <laughs> But no, I live in Seattle now and um, I moved there in 2001. Right. And so I've been there, you know, 15 years almost in, in Seattle. And I, to me, that's my home now and everything.
1: Yeah. So but you were uh, born in like a real small town, right?
0: Yeah. I grew up in the woods, like on a farmy, not on a farm, but like in the middle of the woods where... Like off a dirt road or what? Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I grew up on a dirt road. My address when I was little was... Uh, it was just like route two like it didn't have we didn't have a, <laughs> you have a number or anything I, I promise you until I was four or five I lived on dirt road and we didn't have a street number it was just Carter residence route two wow kind of thing that was what you would write on the envelope right Discard a residence route, too. That's right.
1: Not even the town? And stuff? Oh, Are yeah, the
0: town? town. We had a town in Zipcom I'm just saying, but we didn't yeah. have a street address until right. I was five or six, and they came in, and our road wasn't paved, even paved, until I was, you know, uh, 15 or 16 years old, and now that's getting more and more developed where it was, but essentially, we, we I grew up. Wait, so your folks still live there? Yeah, same same place. Huh. My folks still live there, but it was it's 20 minutes from town, yeah. which, we, was, which is Greer, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, we're about 15, 20 minutes from the closest, you know, red light basically oh, okay. so there's a gas station two miles away at a stop sign kind right. of thing rural it's just rural south carolina essentially so t- you know 15 minutes from a red light and 30 40 minutes from a city greenville south carolina how has far are you stuff. like
1: from the coast are you like in the middle or what? no
0: it's up in the upstate it's it's about three and a half or four hours from the coast so it's close to north carolina border it's okay. between atlanta and charlotte yeah. Up in the, you know, kind of foothills of, in South Carolina.
1: So now if you're off the dirt road and whatever, it was just like, you just had a house there, you weren't doing, they weren't, your folks weren't doing farming or anything
0: No, like that. no, we weren't farming. anything. my dad, we grew up on, uh, the place that they live is, is 18 acres. Mm-hmm. My dad paid a thousand dollars an acre for, and you know, 83 when we moved there from, um, from wherever it was we lived before. And the house my parents bought for like, my, the story is my dad bought our house for $500. Mm-hmm cut it in half on a chainsaw cut it in half with a chainsaw (laughs) got up on the roof put it on a truck because he had a kind of construction are you serious put it on a truck and carried it up to this plot of land that he had bought and put the house back together and then built it out from there wow that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) I had pictures of the house but like where it was before we moved it saw it in half because he had some trucks and did some construction work so he, he thought I like this house I can I can literally can cut it in half and move it, and then we'll have that house, but on this other land. Yeah, so he did that.
1: So now do you come from generations of Carters that lived in that area kind of thing? Like, was your parents' folks from that area? Yeah, I or? don't
0: have... Uh, I mean, I have uh, one grandma from Minnesota, uh-huh. but I don't know where my family's from be- you know, beyond. I don't like they're, We're not immigrants from anything any in right. a recent huh. generation. So as far as I know, my family's from South Carolina in general.
1: Right, so other than that grandma, you don't have any other extended family or anybody that...
0: You- no, I have some aunts and uncles that moved subsequently moved to Dallas. Yeah. That's it. Crazy. Yeah. And then I'm out in Seattle now, so I've kind of really messed up the family. (laughs) So now when you were a kid
1: living on this road, this rural road and all that kind of stuff, like what was your life like? Were you going to like a regional school where you were getting picked up by the bus at the end of the road down there? Right. So I'd have to
0: walk down the driveway, which is about a quarter of a mile or half a mile to the end of our driveway <laughs> to get out wow. and I would get on the school bus and go to school yeah 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 and and when you were a little guy like that like how
1: many uh people were at your school Is it a small school I have to believe it was uh, my small.
0: graduating class had 160 people in it or something wow like crazy yeah. it, was, now, it was real farmy like with people with tractors and stuff like that we, we had farm day and it was like bush hoggy stuff that we had we had uh the groups were like bush hoggy bush hogs uh (laughs) bush hog is like it was a hat people would wear it's an attachment that goes on the back of a tractor that mows tall grass and weeds and shrubbery and stuff but um so we uh our group growing up they we had preps at our school which would wear button-up shirts and it looked like frat boy frat boys in training kind of thing and then we had rednecks which were just good old boys and then we had black people that was right. our, that was what we had. That was all there was. That was so, it. Yeah. So like growing, I mean, I've never been around any other races or any other cultural uh, anything. No Asian or anything. Or no. Anything. no, no yeah. Not a not Cuban. Even, no. no. Yeah. I mean, it was just where we were. But I mean, that was that was the group. So those are the three right. categories that I could say there was we didn't yeah. have anything cultural really at all but yeah. you know other than than the I, I i i take that back those those are very deep and interesting cultures for sure but sure. there's only three of them right
1: <laughs> so now you've i've heard you say before that um you didn't get into music until later so how right. did that there
0: wasn't like people into music Nothing. and stuff at, at our school like there was a couple of guys who did music and um you know Playing like ACDC and Leonard Skinner. Yeah, but or I mean, there they they was just a couple. It was literally like just a couple of them. And our original drummer, Seth, like. Would, could play drums somehow and he and this other guy and they would play and they would play Nirvana songs and Seth could play that drum intro to Smells Like Teen Spirit and by the time I figured out what that music was and got into it it just blew my mind that Seth could pl- like make that same sound that I heard on that recording yeah. kind of thing it was just blew my mind but it wasn't um, and there were just a couple of weird people at my school that that could do that and I thought that was so interesting there was a little bit of a Dave Matthews uh, culture and worship, you know, stuff that Boys, people would like stuff like Dave Matthews or right. what eventually would be Ben Harper or whatever that fish, or whatever that crowd or whatever. would be. Yeah. So there's a lot of capos and Birkenstocks, like <laughs> Hockey, anybody, hacky like, sacks. That's all that there would, yeah. if there would have been music, it would have just been that anyway. And I, I just knew uh-huh. that stuff was bad and wrong. <laughs> you just like had I a just know your gut, knew like it a gut feeling. So there was one guy and he had a <laughs> he had a, a real electric guitar and he had an orange Boss distortion pedal and I, <laughs> when he plugged it in and he did that, I just couldn't. I mean, my mind blew wide open. Yeah, like I had just. I could not believe it. I was 16 you know, where was 16. that happening it just didn't like he played on the tennis team I mean he went to his house after tennis practice and he had an electric guitar and it was just super outcasty stuff it wasn't like this popular yeah but Nirvana and Green Day like he liked that I liked that and maybe a few other four or five other people in my school liked that yeah is and, this
1: like uh, like ni- mid 90s or yeah, something yeah
0: 94 90- Four right or so okay. ninety three ninety five in that yeah. ta- in that time Yep. and so that that music was permeating culture enough to get all the way out to where we were yeah um, and there was just a couple and this ki- this kid was from Michigan that had the guitar and by permeating so, to
1: where you are that means like you go into whatever the next biggest town is that has some kind of a mall that has like some kind of a chain record store or a Walmart yeah maybe
0: or something, yeah right, right 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 or something it was yeah CDs and stuff it's not I mean there wasn't anything cool like I never went to a concert or a show. Not just never, ever not any. Growing not, up, never, all the way through high
1: school, nothing. No. Yeah.
0: like the, I did go to a Green Day. I did go to a Green Day concert when I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and it was at the Memorial Civic Auditorium in Green. Wow. kind of thing. Yeah, and it was just a big deal. Who played know? at that?
1: Besides Green Day, it was, it was just... Green
0: Day in the Riverdales. Oh, wow. was the opening band that came to that? That was the first thing I'd ever been to that I would call a concert kind Crazy. of thing. Um and it was it was a pretty odd odd thing it wasn't like connected to punk or indie sure. or shows or anything not by then. It was just like some th- not, yeah. thing that came came to town how did you know?
1: even end up going to that somebody invited you like. it was just a,
0: a like I said four or five fringy kind of people that I was kind of friends with and was like yeah this is gonna be awesome we're, <laughs> fringy we're gonna... people it, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's all it was I mean I, and, yeah. and even that was like it was literally. The most mainstream possible things like Green Day, Dookie, you know, uh, Basket Case, Longview, Welcome to Paradise. I right. knew those songs from because they had kind of gotten into somehow on the radio. Yeah. But th- as far as if you could ask me what is punk rock, I would say Green Day. Right. I just I wouldn't have, I wouldn't no, have kind, named no any other band of what that is. No, I could never name another. Now, band. did you have siblings? Yeah, I got a little sister. little sister? Mm-hmm. how What's the
1: age difference between she's, you
0: She's uh, three years younger than me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So were you
1: uh, like uh, like an influence to her in any regard with that kind of stuff? Or? Yeah,
0: she's actually started playing music after me mm-hmm. when I was younger and was really good at it. So she wound up going to a fine arts center for jazz guitar. Really? Yeah, she plays jazz guitar really well, and she would play the drums. That I'd have. I have wound up owning a drum set and a bass amp, and she would play mm-hmm. with her younger friends. Oh, wow. So it really did, um, like the whole culture of where I grew up kind of changed like if you go back to that same high school now there'll be a bunch of bands there'll be people that that play there but when I was there I started a band and we played Green Day and Weezer covers and mm-hmm. we were as far as I know, we we're the first band ever at Blue Ridge High School. Wow. That that like played at a party. And we yeah. played at a Halloween party and played Green Day, and Nirvana and Weezer songs. <laughs> and as far as I know, that's the first rock band ever at that school. I'm sure if you went today, there'd be a tons of them.
1: Now this is like a pre-Emory kind of thing that you had just a fun oh, thing with friends I, or whatever. Yeah, I
0: was just 17 and we just played Weezer songs and you know, at a Halloween party because we knew the chords or whatever. <laughs> it was nothing, really. Actually, Devin did it with me. Me and did Devin he? did. Yeah. yeah, Devin and I were... Devin and I started playing Nirvana and Silver Chair and Weezer songs together in the garage nice. uh, on Friday nights after football games. When he I, went to when your school? Or yeah, Devin Devin grew up about a, a mile and a quarter from me. Right. And so, yeah, he just come over.
1: Now, were you in the uh, Assemblies of God stuff with all that kind of jazz, or did you not grow up in any kind of church culture, or what's the deal with that?
0: Yeah, I grew up in what... Uh, Again, I I kind of joke this way. I say I grew up in a non-Christian Presbyterian church. This right. is what I say about it. It was just we had it. They went there because you go somewhere, yeah. and the Presbyterian church in the town that I was from. And that sounds mean to say that. It's not really true. I grew but, up in the Presbyterian church. But it so, was just, sorry. it was the church in town that was liberal. It was a church in town that didn't carry any of the legalism or baggage. Like Presbyterians, the ones that you can say hey to in the liquor store is the joke. Yeah. And yep. I, I, you know, it was just a, a, what we did on Sundays. And it was the, the social networks and stuff were tied to that in that community. Mm-hmm. So my parents were friends with other people there. And I didn't ever really take any of it very seriously. It's just, I saw that's the, the thing we do on Sundays. Yeah. You know, I I wasn't super bought in or believe I don't believe that anybody there really believed any of the stuff it was just something right it just none of us something convincing. everybody did they and would, i could be wrong yeah. about that i'm sure there's people there and believers everything but i was never i never was convinced and wasn't personally convinced any of that stuff was anything other than just a thing you just do right didn't, didn't mean much yep. whereas the baptist churches and the other ones that you know in town were pretty serious and a little bit more and, fundamentalists and they, they really seem to believe what they believed, but I thought it was crazy. But they seemed to believe it, whereas at our church, it didn't really matter. You thought it was crazy? I thought they were a bit intense, the Baptists and the yeah. people that believed the stuff, and it should actually impact your life, and you should do this, you shouldn't do this. And yeah. You, you know, I thought that was a bit intense. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it. Ma- where we went... I don't think it really mattered what you really believed. Mm -hmm. Now, I know, like, in your adult life, you spent a lot of
1: time reading and being studious and that kind of stuff. As a kid, were you, like, a a serious student? Or did you, like, not care too much about, like, studying or any of that kind of stuff when you were in school?
0: Um, Not... Oh, school is not. Because I'm
1: thinking, like, if you didn't go to a Green Day show until you were a senior in high school, and I'm thinking about me at that age when I was in high school, like, my dad worked at the church, so I was constantly going to youth group and that kind right. of stuff. Like, what what were you filling your time with? Did you fall in with like partying kids? Did you like no. just hang out like on by the gas and zip?
0: You know what um. I'm saying?
1: Like, like what? Like when you think about you as that teenage pre-teenage guy, like what like what was Matt Carter doing?
0: Um, it was it was a pretty big void. There really wasn't. We just didn't really do much. Much. We really didn't do. I mean, we would do m- general teenage mischief stuff. Like, what? but it wasn't really party and stuff. We would like. We would. I ah, this sounds so redneck, but we would just like <laughs> drive around and like run over stop signs and tear up people's yards w- yeah. and do donuts, donuts and yeah. stuff like that. Like that's ba- really mailbox
1: what- baseball. Right. So doing, right.
0: Yeah. Stuff like that. We just drive on country roads and go up the mat- back of the mountain and stuff. There was some party in here and there but you just had to be bored right? It was pretty time. boring yeah. yeah. I, th- I really think it kind of was culturally boring and wasn't yeah. a ton to do. And
1: I don't say this is uh, like at a, out of a total ignorance like uh, I grew up in Southern California in the lower LA beach area mm-hmm. and then um you know, like going to church in Hollywood and living at the beach and all this stuff, and then my dad went into the ministry, and the first church he was in was in North county San Diego, and this yeah. was back in the day when it was very it was just being developed, and like we we moved to like this literally this small town where it was just like you know like a mcdonald's and, yeah. and, and and like a general store sure <laughs> and like whatever so i was literally it was like me and two other kids that were like the kids that were into music in the whole school and ev- the same kind of yeah. thing what you're describing so i'm kinda yeah. relating in that well
0: regard. there's another element to to this that might make a little bit sense and that's that my parents are not at all rednecks or you know boring people Right. So my family was pretty cool. My my dad um, and mom are real smart, and they w- they owned a business, and they're really great. They're actually mm-hmm. really incredible. Um, what kind of business did they own? My dad did, did had a business. that was grading and paving. He's a civil engineer, and an estimator. Okay. And so he had a, a company that had I don't know thirty employees that did wow. thirty or forty employees, and they would do they would like do earth moving and mm-hmm. like clear lots and move dirt essentially and and paving and stuff like that and so um they were really interesting people and they weren't redneck people they chose to move far outside the city to have a nice like i said plot of land and 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 be out there so i a little easier quality of life yeah so i really do think that my family of origin and i'm I'm processing this as i'm saying it to you out loud it kind of was stimulating like my parents are Mm -hmm. are motivating and intelligent people Mm -hmm. and we would i think we had a lot of conversations i think we watched jeopardy a lot and i think that it was uh it was it well, i don't remember being now that you say that it sounds like it would be super boring but i don't remember being super bored hmm. i feel like we had a good deal going on like did
1: they encourage you to read books and stuff like that yeah, or, any, or, yeah.
0: i mean they encourage well honestly they're they're almost fruity to some degree maybe but that, yeah. my, my parents would encourage me to do anything right they're just encouraging oh, that's cool kind of thing so great. whatever i would be into would be good yeah kind of thing in general i mean there's some draw. at some point they didn't you know like i joked my dad didn't want me to move to seattle or didn't believe he said right. you're not really gonna do that that's insane but yeah. he wasn't really being negative he just didn't even believe what he created was a son that really was going to do. He didn't really even hardly believe in himself that I would do what it is that I'm doing right yeah. now. Yeah. But sure enough, I did. But they, you know, they're they're supportive people for sure. What did your sister?
1: What did your sister think about that when you said you're going to do that? Was she into it or?
0: Oh, I don't. I don't. don't know. Know. I'm <laughs> not a really good brother. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even remember <laughs> that, that crossing my mind. To tell you the truth, why did you guys pick Seattle? Well, we just. Uh,
1: no one knows what i'm talking about let's back up a little bit uh for those of the people that this story is new to uh it's not new to me because i was there but um you were in this band Let, mm-hmm. let's go back to the beginning of emory just briefly mm-hmm. you were in college
0: we were in college right
1: yeah where'd you guys go
0: we went to a college in rock hill south carolina called winthrop so devin toby joel our old bass player and joey yeah uh and Seth didn't go to our college but was
1: around us at the time. So you were already friends with Devin, and so the two of you guys went, and then you met the rest of those
0: guys. Actually. Yeah, Devin That's and I grew cool. up together. I've known Devin since I was four, mm-hmm. probably. But um, so we grew up together and went in college. Uh, made friends with Toby and Joey, you know, at nineteen or whatever. Wow! And uh, Joey, who you do the Bad Christian, Joey, podcast who we do the Bad Christian podcast with. Mm-hmm. And so when the college ended, we said, "All right, let's make a real band" because we were in local bands there and did stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just, I and mean, they were terrible—just bar bands trying to play kind of radio rock or something. But Toby had started writing music. What are, what are some good. of the
1: names of those?
0: Um, yeah, that yeah. we had a band called Simply Wayne's that <laughs> Devin and I were in, which was named after a fried chicken restaurant in the you know <laughs> near our house. Wayne. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Simply Wayne's was a, it was a a fried chicken restaurant that is kind of flamboyant gay guy um, started in the middle of like, R- ultra rural, and he was a flamboyant gay guy named Wayne. Yeah, and he started. I mean, it's a really bad idea, like, it wasn't, of course, that restaurant wasn't going to work, <laughs> but it was this really flamboyant gay guy that would host to this thing, and he would have people come in. He was, he was, it just it wasn't the right restaurant for the <laughs> he didn't do his market research yeah, on he the didn't demographic, of it. <laughs> but he was really, we thought he was really funny and nice, so we just named it. We thought that was funny, like, the like a tribute, a tribute to it it Wayne. So, yeah, yeah, we thought it was really funny, and um, it was cool, and then I love fried chicken but sure. um so that was called simply wayne's and J- toby and joey had a band that so- toby was writing really cool music for at mm-hmm. the time it was called joe 747 okay and it was really good yeah, i mean it was really that, interesting yeah. yep. but they didn't have like a whole band it was just it was really just songs that toby was writing i got you. and then joey would play along bass i'm not disparaging him but he he just was Toby's friend but Toby was really doing something that was special and Devin and I had this other band where we were playing in and stuff and so um, we eventually just started doing stuff together and then Devin and I started backing Joey and Toby up in the band and then Mm -hmm. at some point it just made sense like okay this is Toby's incredibly talented Devin and I are serious and we got this what, w- couldn't we just start a, a real band? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we could really do it, but we need to get away from girlfriends. We need to get away from jobs and we need to get away from whatever and let's just do it for real. Yeah. So we said we should, let's make a real band and let's move away. Let's yeah. get out of this zone we're in because we were just playing bar gigs till 2 in the now, morning. Now, was this like, yeah. did you guys all graduate and everything like that? Yes, we left, we left this September after we graduated in 2001 mm-hmm. in. Uh, we graduated, yeah, in like whatever that is, June, May of 2001. That right, summer. Three yep. months, everybody go home, work, save up money, and mm-hmm. we're going to leave in September and move to Seattle. So mm-hmm. we, we chose what date we were going to leave. So September 11th <laughs> would be good. <laughs> And so we set wow. our calendar. Said everybody, try and save up three or four hundred dollars each. Yeah. we're going to get in our cars and we're going to move to Seattle. Uh, we'll get up September eleventh. We'll leave real early in the morning, and we'll drive to Seattle. And that was what we're going to do. Had you
1: already like been in contact with like John Dunn? at oh, the No, by then, Nothing. no, I hadn't
0: been in contact. You didn't, with the, it, You didn't know a no, soul. We didn't, you didn't know anybody. No, we didn't really even have any. We didn't have any songs. Right. We just were going to go create. We, we knew that we we named our band. We wrote a song and a half, yeah. and said we're going to go away to do to get serious. Did you guys have a place with like
1: bunk beds in there and stuff that you lived in? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Well, we
0: we when we moved, we had a trailer, a racing trailer mm-hmm. that you put a race car in. But yeah. we took a race car. We didn't have a race car. We just <laughs> borrowed the trailer from my dad's uh, uh, <laughs> okay. my dad's partner. Right. Um. And we built some bunks in the back of the, this twenty four foot long racing trailer that we pulled behind a SUV. Wow. And we, just, we moved to Seattle and we slept in that until we eventually got apartment jobs and started writing How songs How long did and you stuff. sleep
1: in the racing trailer for?
0: Uh, just a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, until we got an apartment. What part of town were you guys in?
1: Renton. Yeah, down in Renton.
0: We wound up in Renton. I worked at a guitar center in Renton. We got some jobs and we got a storage unit, yeah. like a 15 by 15 storage unit and started practicing in that. Yeah, and so that's what we crazy. wrote. That's where we wrote all the first songs. Did, and did all that.
1: Did you know that Matt Johnson? You know, you know mm-hmm. Matt, right? Yeah. Uh, so when he and I and Ed and all those guys when we started Blenderhead, we were practicing in a basement in Kent,
0: yeah. Washington,
1: which is not far off. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all went to. It was right by there. there. Yeah,
0: we were just at like a you know public storage Sure Guard storage unit. We got the cheapest thing we could find. Yeah, and then it was all there was in it was a light bulb, <laughs> and so I un you know I uh, un you know undid the. Outlet and got into the pan, the box up there that fed it, yeah. and ran wires to the ground. Oh, you did your own electrical? Work. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> didn't have an outlet. Like we rented a storage unit was where we wrote all the songs for the week's end, and it didn't even have a power outlet in it. And I wired all of the power for the band into the the one da- hanging incandescent light at the top of the wow. storage unit what could go wrong <laughs> <laughs> so i just ran wires down and then put it on you know power strip or what, i don't remember what it was but oh a wire gosh. literally just out they didn't even have outlets but that's nobody was crazy. there at night we had 24 hour access and we would just go there and practice and right dude that's crazy. And we didn't have anything else to do so that's just that's just what we did
1: So, that's crazy. I'm still kind of processing you even saying that, that you're in this trailer and, like, you're running all your electrical out of one socket that you wired yourself.
0: It didn't seem crazy to us because we weren't around people that, like, methodically did anything. So, to us, it was like, there's people and bands that do stuff but we didn't never see them so nothing seemed like we knew it was weird that what we were doing but we didn't know any different we didn't know there was like oh you do this and people do this we just went kind of all in and said we're going to do it I but, have to believe that's like, I mean, that's
1: has to be central to a lot of the longevity that you guys have had. Because in my time, in my day, yeah, <laughs> I've seen a lot of bands kind of come and go, and mm-hmm. and it, and it seems like a lot of them don't have that sort of long term. We're going to do whatever it takes kind of mentality. They're sort of like, yeah, uh, it was always like, if this record isn't the one that, bl- I can't tell you how many times I heard this. Yeah. If this isn't the record that blows up, I'm out. I'm done. Sure. Like where the, everybody's looking for the first chance yeah. to just sort of like. I don't know, and you know what's? They're on not the, that into it. Yeah, and what's on the
0: other <laughs> side of that though is the yeah. way that pe- people saying they're all in or are going to do whatever it takes has become almost I don't know, the, uh, commoditized. Right to where it's like you know that that's the thing you're supposed to be or say. Yeah, but it, I don't. It, it's not that believable they
1: say the thing that's my biggest pet peeve and as a man of science maybe you'll appreciate this uh everything over 100% everybody's trying to give yeah. something they don't have I'm gonna to give, give. A thousand. i'm going to give 110% and then that wasn't good yeah. enough then it kept getting bigger right. and bigger and bigger i'm going to give 42,000% <laughs> I
0: mean, if that's not good enough I probably could squeeze 43,200%. Yeah. And, and it, <laughs> that's got to be enough.
1: Even the 110% I felt like it was reserved for like <laughs> like the troops that like invaded Iraq and, and had been going for like 48 right. hours with no sleep and whatever yeah. and then they still stormed the you know Saddam Hussein's like thing yeah. after 48 hours with okay you gave 110% but it's always like some bullshit thing right. like I made this pie really I really put my heart I, into this
0: absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, yeah I do think that that, that notion of being all in, yeah. or we do whatever it takes. That sounds almost shallow when you hear people say it. Right. So it's really not about saying it. It's just a matter of what your. I mean, it's your actions. I mean, the the thing that is most powerful to me at this point in my life that mm-hmm. I look for that I recognize is um, when people are effective, mm-hmm. and if people are competent, right. And that's just going to be their actions. I mean, it just that that's a that's that's what is most impressive to me if somebody's simply i mean people do different things people are into different things but mm-hmm. it's kind of reasonable to measure a person by their effectiveness i really think that's reasonable because yeah. yeah, i think so too. are they effective at what they
1: want to do it's sort of that uh you know um <laughs> you could say it, people want to see your actions not your words kind yeah. of thing
0: but you also can define what it is that you value and then you can measure. Therefore, is that person effective for what they intend to do? Mm-hmm. So, for like, I mean, we all I ever wanted to do was play for forty or fifty people in a town that we didn't know people in. Right, and we we were able to do that. And I, I don't know if it's luck or I don't know. I, I mean, I can't. I don't know how to tell anybody else to do it. But uh, we, you know, we we exceeded our expectations of, of what we wanted. Yeah. And so, whatever actions it t- it took to get there. I don't know. It just but we did it. Yeah. And I don't that, I don't think there's really much else you can say except for wow, he he did it. That guy that has this startup or this guy that has this podcast. Yep. All I can say is well, other people didn't do it and Billy did it. I don't know any what else to say. Yeah, that, yeah. That's just all there is to it. I feel like a lot of people... It's too easy not f- to do stuff. I feel
1: like a lot of people in bands and a lot of that kind of stuff, they just, like the reason that they didn't continue... I mean, as you know, you've been around this long enough mm-hmm. to know everybody thinks there's some formula if you do this ad and this thing and that thing. Right. A lot, there's a mentality amongst bands right. and, and people that like, oh, well, they did. it's because they did this or they used that producer or they went in this thing or mm-hmm. they got to open on that tour and that kind of took them the next thing. But they're really... Is if there was a formula, obviously every manager, right. every label in the world would just use sure. that and replicate it over and over and over again. So it's sort of like an X factor of things. But one thing is definitely true that the people that have sort of had long careers and played in bands, I think of like you guys, MXPX, different you know, MXPX is on mics on tour in Europe right now. Right. It's <laughs> um, just kind of keeping at it. I think there's something to be said for that longevity of just continuing, even if there's gaps between records or gaps between doing stuff. I think like just continuing to keep producing stuff and putting it out. And, right. You know.
0: Yeah, the goal is to cr- to create something. I mean, it's not even that artistic. It's just to do – Even if it, I don't care if it's business or something you do with your family. Like if you make a – I mean, this sounds so silly, but if you make a family tradition where you say, on this day we're going to watch Ernest Scared Stupid for Halloween, that's something we're going to do. Yep. The, whoever in the family, the wife, dad, whoever says this is what we're going to do, big props to that because you – did something instead of not doing something right and that that you can take anything like that and extend that all the way up to oh that guy actually thought it was a good idea to write this song he could have not written it. he did write it now it exists yeah and whatever the effects of it are maybe neither here nor there but if you start a business or you do something you believe in you want to do and then you see it you cause it to exist that's just that's that's it. That I don't know what's more valuable than that. Yeah. There's just nothing. I mean, I don't, that's just kind of what I'm, I, that's what I like to do. That's what I like about all the stuff that I do. I try to be around people that make stuff exist. Yeah. And I try to help, if I can help them do that, that's really what I want to do. Like, I like to make stuff exist. Mm-hmm. It could be notes. Yeah. Or talking or conversations or uh, books, whatever anybody can do. If I can help them get over the hump and make it exist, that's That's great. Yeah. It's so special. I I can't believe what a gift that is to that stuff. We have the ability as people to cause things to exist. I know that sounds, maybe it sounds silly, but (laughs) I don't think it sounds silly.
1: I wanted to also tell you something. um, uh, I don't, I don't know why I wanted to bring this up, but I, the, your interview with Tim from under oath, Mm -hmm. um, I really related to that thing that he was saying because I've, uh, I've been in music my, you know, my whole life. My father was a musician. My uh-huh. grandfather was a musician. And the thing I always struggle with was the technical aspects, which I know you're particularly strong mm-hmm. in, um, knowing all the different technicalities and stuff. And I thought that whole interchange with you on your Break It Down show with him where you, you were basically trying to break down for him what it was that he was doing. He was doing and he yeah. was laughing and saying, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome because <laughs> I was like, that's me. Like, I don't, I couldn't, you're like, what are you playing on that song with the whatever? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I think it's a G. I don't I don't, I don't fucking know.
0: Like, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a bit slower than other people, and I don't identify as a purely creative. So right. to me, to even to get to the point where I feel like I can make stuff or write stuff or cause stuff to exist is, like, so profound mm-hmm. to me because I feel like it took a lot of understanding and to analyzing. To decode it, maybe, or before something. Right? I, yeah, before I felt like I was able to enter into it. And mm-hmm. the thing I respect the most are the pure creators i would be people maybe like tim or the way toby is or the people that may like their first primary thing is to express themselves i think of a jazz musician or mm-hmm. john coltrane or yep. miles davis or somebody like they weren't they really weren't thinking they right. just they had a mastery of an instrument and then they could just speak yeah and so you know like and toby's that way he gets to write a song it could it be a, a joke song f- about uh, a funny guy we saw on the street. It's going to be good. It's going to be good, and yeah. he's not going to think about it except for as it's coming out. And that's a pure creative, expressive yeah. person. I am not that. I'm not at that either. all. I really am. Not. I'm a
1: working. I have to work at it. Yeah. Well, Slave not only that. For me, I, <laughs> I feel like I, like
0: I'd say I arrange, I compose, but I never feel primarily like I'm oh, this is just, I'm expressing myself. That's not really the way I feel about it. So for me, most things is an analytical approach. And so I'm going to spend a long time listening to something and figuring out what it is that I like about it in a technical sense. And I'm going to try to go apply that. Right. Or Like I like the darkness of
1: the chord. What is that? Yeah. So then
0: I need to know how that works out mathematically and with the scale and what key and what notes. And then how can I apply that knowledge, which is, secondary to the people that are really the the most creators in the world but I right. want to be around those people and I want to help them and yeah. I want to participate in whatever way I can you know? I,
1: I like the way that you think about a lot of different things like uh, I know we've never really hung out so this mm-hmm. is the kind of refer- I've kind of uh, absorbed a lot of this stuff from listening to your different shows and I highly encourage people to check out break it down and, mm-hmm. and listen to the kind of I, I really love Thank that kind you. of stuff on there and I don't think that way and it's really cool to like Um, like one in particular, I think of in that same episode with Tim, like when you were talking about like deciding which guy was going to be in what speaker, as far as like what guitar was going to be on what side and that kind of stuff all the way down to like, what song is going to be the second song? Do you feel like the Mm -hmm. philosophy behind like what song should be this song and that song and like whatever. And, um, I don't know, maybe talk about that a little bit, just like about like your, like how you see that kind of stuff. Like, what is it about that that interests you, like the technicalities of that Well,
0: of that, but, Well, um, the way I see it, the technicalities are inevitable. Like right. it has to be decided at some point what guitar goes in what speaker. Yeah. It has to be. So either you're going to own that as the artist or somebody else mm-hmm. is going to do it or the producer is going to do it for you or, or something else. But, you know, the technicalities of life are decisions that you make. I just believe that other people are not conscious of them, and I think that I am yeah so that you do make everything that you do is calculated it really really is you're just not aware of it right. and i feel kind of intensely aware of the things <laughs> i'm calculating <laughs> And that's the only difference i yeah. mean and, and there's people all over the spectrum on that but yeah. some people don't want to be in tune with that and that's it can be really productive for them yeah but to me i don't understand how you cannot look at stuff that way i just don't i don't Understand. I'm just kind of aware of what I'm calculating at any moment. I guess just- I appreciate that
1: because, uh, I if you're around enough people, surely you've been around people. I, I was always that guy that was like uh, tour managing the band uh-huh. or like organize everything or put it together. And I was always surrounded by people that were like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. The kind of, there tends to be that kind of mentality around a lot of musicians. They'll mm-hmm. they'll show up for the practice. They'll contribute their part to the thing or whatever, but they don't seem to have a deep appreciation for those types of details, yeah. those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we... I mean, we've just, I don't know. I think it, my, my personality has contributed to a lot of good things, but it's not always that good. Like, right. it, it's, it can be a huge waste of time to overanalyze stuff. Everybody knows that.
1: Get compulsive about it and yeah. not let it go kind of thing. Yeah,
0: or just, I mean, it's just a waste. It just fundamentally can be really a waste of time to think about stuff that just doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, but I'm prone to doing that. Now,
1: you... uh let's briefly go back to that uh time then um i don't want to dig too deeply into all the emory stuff because i'm sure you've talked about that Mm -hmm. ad nauseum but like because i left seattle in 2003 so Mm -hmm. you guys were getting there right towards the tail end of my time and then you kind of john dunn who worked for me in mail order you guys kind of started talking to him and i remember him hyping you guys up and you got signed and all that kind of stuff um like what was that? Like what was the feeling of that? Like did you feel like this is
0: it? Well, you know the the story goes something like this. Tooth and Nail was a label that we didn't think most people say, "Oh, you moved to Seattle, you must have had a deal with Tooth and Nail or something." But Tooth and Nail was something that at that time we thought, "No, that's not a good place to be." Right. Uh, some artists aren't happy there, from what we've heard. I mean, we didn't know anything or yeah. know anybody. It just seemed like. There'd been problems, or what, what, it was, what was it? What was MXPX like left and they're unhappy or something? Oh it was, you know, it was kind of something like that. Like, or, or there was maybe an identity crisis. Are they a pop punk label now? Or are they doing other stuff? So right. we weren't actually even th- ever thinking about being with Tooth and Nail. We wanted to be like a Deep Elm band, is what we wanted to yeah. be ideally. Um, or we wanted to be, you know, we sent stuff to Victory and Deep Elm and Militia Group and. I can't remember who else, but that's what off the top of my head I remember thinking, send stuff to them. Not even send stuff to Tooth and Nail, but we knew John Dunn, yeah. who was this guy who was working in the mail order. He came over to our house, and he said, look, let me take this CD in. This is really good. Or No, I don't even think he said it was really good. The thing about John Dunn was I don't think he'd ever been like um, flattering to us. I never had thought that he cared about anything that we huh. did. Interesting. Um, but he's like, let me just let me take that let me take that in. I think he s- knew it was good and saw there might be some opportunity there. Yeah. and we were like, no, we don't trust you. First <laughs> of all. You, you, second, you just work in mail order. And, you know, at that time we were really protective of, of stuff and people copying it or whatever. Yeah. And he came, he's like, dude, just let me, just let me take it. And we we're like, I don't, we just weren't comfortable with it. Yeah. And he finally convinced me, he said, let me take it. I'll take it tomorrow. I'll take this disc tomorrow. I'll take it into tooth and nail. I'm going to see if I can get somebody to listen to it. Mm. And I promise you, I, I won't let anybody copy it. We won't do a CDR off of it. We had won't. you
1: recorded your whole record? Yeah, we had the weeks in. Right, it was This is after we had the weeks in. And you saved up the money and
0: recorded yeah. it yourself. And, and uh, I said, you cannot let anybody put in their computer and a CD drive. You can't copy it. <laughs> And you had to bring this disc, because we had like four discs. I mean, that's just yeah. what it was. We say, you have to bring it back tomorrow night. So 24 hours from now, you go. If you can show it to somebody, fine. Just bring it back tomorrow night. Yeah. Because I don't know what we're worried about, but that's just the way we're thinking. Yeah. And he comes back the next day. He's like, yeah, Brandon loves it. They want to sign you guys. I was like, <laughs> and then even when he said that, we're like... Right. Definitely. He's not. No thanks. This isn't. This isn't. <laughs> well, we didn't believe it was We just didn't think it was true. We yeah. just did not actually have genuine. We genuinely didn't believe that that was true. We thought it was just saying this or that or yeah. whatever. And I don't remember. Had you sent it to other people at that yeah, point? Yeah, we mailed a few off. But like I said, yeah. we didn't even approach Tooth & Nail. We just right. even It wasn't even what we were thinking at the huh. time. And then when he came back, he was like, Tooth & Nail's really interested. Brandon didn't like. So I was like, ah. That doesn't sound true, but we'll entertain the notion, I guess. If that's, it, we'll entertain the notion from there, and then we began to start, you know. And he didn't have; he really was the mail order guy. He wasn't, an yeah, A&R no, guy. definitely
1: at that time he was. Yeah, and so mail order. Yeah.
0: It, to us, it was like you're just like he's somebody we knew from the local scene and he was like started bragging about it as soon as he got a job at tooth and nails like i work at tooth and nail now (laughs) and we were like whatever dude you just work in mail order (laughs) you know so we didn't have any respect really for him in that way at the time (laughs) and he turned out to be an unbelievably good uh, special a and r guy especially over time and has amazing capacities that we didn't see at the time right but we, you know, we wound up being his first, the first band that he found and got, and that's how. I mean, having us is how he wound up having his career in Definitely, a way, for sure. You know, but I, I wouldn't blame our whole. I wouldn't say he's only made his career on us but yeah you know the, it went from the threshold from some guy in a local band that got a mail order job to an a&r guy yep. hinging on us making our record and him taking it in and trying to get brandon's attention in the mail room is yeah. uh, that's the story yeah. as far as i understand it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i like that because that was definitely the tail end of my time and that and he's definitely the person that i remembered yeah and and then um like he really was like go-getting yeah oh yeah it. like just oh, like yeah. kept talking about it talking about it I was like okay man okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's you're got way a, into it I get yeah it. he's got a
0: really unique personality for that kind of stuff he's really I mean uh, I mean, that's how I knew you were in the bunks. He's
1: like, they're really they're die hard, They
0: they moved all the way out here. Yeah. They're like
1: living in a trailer, right. like all that stuff. Like he he had the whole spiel down. So.
0: Yeah, no, he's 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 definitely a go getter and a special uh, has special abilities in that way. You know, like to to really believe something and sell it and talk yeah. about it and hype hype something up that he believes in. Yeah, and then he's super skeptical and not great to stuff he doesn't like. Right, which is that's that's really neat. You know? Yeah.
1: That's cool. And you guys showed your uh, gratitude and thankfulness for him uh, putting it all on the line by ch- turning your backs on the biggest offer of
0: your career, right? Oh, boy. That was... <laughs> I have no... I really don't even know. Yeah. Now, that... I don't even feel like... I mean, I don't... I'm, I'm only kidding. Yeah. I
1: just remember you guys talking about that with Brandon.
0: Yeah. What you're referencing there I definitely deserves a little bit of a backstory, but it was at some point when we were at some kind of peak or high level and... Um, and I did talk about Brandon with the numbers, which is fine. I don't I don't know if I remember the numbers exactly right, but at some point— Which is we,
1: shocking, by the way, because he's very secretive about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I normally, thought that was
0: great so. that he allowed us to talk about it that, at that time when he was on our show. But um, we had some offer to where we were going to sign for our third record after our second record came and did really big. And it was like, I think he wanted to give us $400,000 or something like yeah. that, which I thought was— At some point, it would have sounded like the biggest amount of money in the world, but I'm telling you the honest truth. (laughs) Once everybody takes their cut I'm telling you the honest truth, I thought that that, at that time, given where I was in my life and what I'd seen what we'd done, (laughs) which was only just three years from living in the back of those bunks and doing all this stuff, I thought, no, we're going to go get a million dollars. (laughs) I thought we were going to go get a million dollars from some big record company, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And so we didn't. We thought this is Brandon trying to get in here early mm-hmm. and lowball us with four hundred thousand dollars, something, something like something like that. <laughs> yeah. And so we said, no, no way. I mean, you're just trying to get us before the new record comes out. Once right. it comes out, this is we after all know the, after the question, right? After the question, mm-hmm. One, everybody knows once our third record comes out, it'll be even bigger than our second. Right. And then. We're going to be worth millions of dollars. And so you're trying to get us for like $400,000 now. That doesn't make any sense. So thanks, but no thanks. Like, we understand your play, this? A here. Fire, but a fire we all sale. know we're going to be yeah. having this conversation at a different level in six months. Right. And definitely that didn't happen. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> well, the record didn't sell as well. We didn't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I Is I that the no record idea. with the party song yeah, on it? And it's called I'm on Only a Man, and yeah. it just wasn't it wasn't the right thing for the climate or we didn't make the, I'm not even saying we didn't make the right decisions on it. It just, it just was what it was. It's nothing to do with failure. It's just, I, I can't believe the, uh, yeah, audacity or, uh, well, I don't know what the, what's the word for it. I can't believe the, um, the way the lack of humility that i had at the, we had at the time of thinking what we were because right. it was basically i thought well everything we do works so right. the third thing is going to be bigger than the second thing by an order of magnitude yeah and it just that's that doesn't mean we fail it's just it does that's just not how things work had, in life you, you did not know
1: that yeah you hadn't learned yet that no, there's no guarantees in right, life
0: <laughs> I, I just well at that point i thought i do something it works it gets bigger it gets better and that's the trend i didn't have right. any understanding of that not continuing yeah. and so then when it came out and the record sold well sold good everything yeah. um, but not near what we thought it was going to do or whatever and so yeah then that that record that so of course we didn't get a million dollar deal, and then the four hundred thousand dollar deal totally gone too. Yeah, like, gone. Not, we, not, Rescinded. No, definitely didn't exist, and we didn't get anywhere close to that ever Rescinded. at all. Rescinded. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, and and it was that was supposed to be the big payoff though? Because when we first signed, we got like eight thousand dollars and signed for three records. Mm-hmm. So we felt like, well, we have ours coming to us now. We've got this. Now we're the big time. We could be the biggest band that anybody that could be on the, in this scene. And this, I, th- I guess, I really thought. I know it sounds stupid, but I thought it. Yeah so yeah now we're talking about millions of dollars when we were super happy to have eight thousand dollars before yeah and so of course there's a lot of really good stuff in between there yeah but you know definitely that's just this hindsight i don't know what
1: to say i was just talking to a guy recently who was in one of those kind of bands from the 90s and we were talking about it, and i said you know to me like there has been a lot of changes with the way music exists and the way that it works and all that kind of stuff i said but really the main thing that's changed is the advances yeah <laughs> right like, like nobody ever you know you get your one advance, and then you do your record, and, and then, you know, they start taking stuff out, and, and
0: then you never see anything again a- right.
1: after, usually. That was the way it went for most yeah. people that I knew.
0: Um, Whether so, it's big or small, you, there's yeah. the advance, and then this happens, and that happens, and you don't really see, really, money after that, right. really. Yeah. You you don't. Yep. So, were you aware of that, like, on the label side? Like, our goal here is to let not let artists really ever get paid after the advance like I, is that, I was hate, that I implicit hate I hated that kind of shit but but was that just the, is that like you always wonder I would encourage bands to take the
1: lowest va- advance possible, yeah. and they would never listen to me ever. Sure. They never listen. I give no, this kind of advice all the time. Hard to I'm like, to that. listen, man, listen. Pl- just do yourself a favor. Keep your budget yeah. low. Don't take a big advance. Take product for the road. Yeah, so I would give them all this advice and say this is what you should do. They uh-huh. never listen to me ever. Yeah, get a lawyer. You know, make sure you're happy with your contract or whatever.
0: And yeah, it's, it's, it's always like it's they hard. screwed me. I didn't get paid. I well, like, that's the uh, frustration I have like, n- you know? even now dealing yeah. with artists that I deal with on our goofy. <laughs> uh, type of deals that we do is like, man, I'm telling you how the best way to do for you. Yeah. And I still even find on the kind of partnerships and stuff that we do that artists still want, like th- there's just some part of unrealistic artists,
1: expectations. Based yeah. There's on something it, that yeah.
0: may, if they feel, propped up or cared for treated or respected it kind of matters more to them than actually what the bottom line or what reality really is sometimes Mm -hmm. which is sad because i don't like that or i don't think that way or i don't at least now maybe i used to but you know an artist feels better about getting a ten thousand dollar advance now because it feels like somebody values them at ten thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars versus you could make fifty thousand dollars in the long run Mm -hmm. if you ask them that question they'll say the opposite They'll say no. We'll we'll do the smart thing and take the the, the long run. But yeah. that, but in reality, they don't act that. They just don't act that. All way. The, all that stu- system sets you up for If you get is, a steak dinner, that, no, yeah, you know that's that's good for them.
1: You're perpetually unsatisfied because it's like we want the new van. They get the new van. We want to be on a right. bus. We want right. to be on a better bus. We want to be on the bigger tour. It's just never yeah. never satisfied. Yeah, the
0: best ever. example being somebody somebody takes you out. to... You're making a record, and somebody takes you out to dinner to a really fancy place, right. <laughs> and you feel really valued yeah and then of course your earnings pay back You're paying your that. own meal and the guy that took you to it <laughs> yeah, eventually totally penny for penny yeah and that's the and that's still what most artists actually really prefer yeah that's just the bottom line sure. That's what people actually like
1: it's like the whole uh, perception is reality yeah. game yeah right that's and i've had how they some really nice
0: it. dinners and it, that's actually it's a really good memory <laughs> but ultimately i still pay you still pay for them so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs>
1: they don't they never look at the sheet where it's on there itemized at the end Mm -mm. yeah so now recently you bought a place i saw some instagram pictures you redid your whole kitchen i did yeah if i redo my kitchen you're going to be the guy i felt like you did no no i'm not really that
0: good at it but it's it's really it's again it's just another thing that's satisfying to me this bus is that way yeah to to do a new thing and take ownership and responsibility and learn about it is Mm -hmm. great i'm not Good at it. I'm not really a decent. Have you ever done like tiling before? No, not really. I've done some stuff. I know that I know. I know that I have the capacity to learn, understand, and complete things. Yeah. I know that I do. Now I'm not effective as a builder would be, but I need some advice. I need some help. I need some whatever. And but the, the sense videos, of doing the yeah. accomplishment and getting through something is really good to me. So my house, I know every board in it. I know where every wire in the crawl space goes. I know all every plumbing pipe. I know exactly where it is. And that feels really good to me. Not that I'm a plumber or electrician. I, I You know, I wired the panel box. I yeah. did. But... Every circuit means a lot to me in that oh house. God. That's the way I feel about it. <laughs>
1: this makes I'm nervous I just it. thinking
0: about that. Like I'll do a lot of things around the house,
1: like different. I'll hang blinds. Yep. I'll do like what, but electrical just terrifies yeah. me what, for whatever. You reason. know,
0: it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't have any real experience with it, but I can fundamentally understand those things and work with. Have somebody help. I had an electrician come over and advise and help me, and then I did most of the work. He did some and stuff like that. This bus is the same way. We bought it, and I didn't know anything about it, and I. I know all the systems on this bus now. Hmm. I know how the generator works, and how the electrical works, and how the air brakes and air system works. And I know, uh, where you know I know all the the different systems that kind of work together. And house is the same way. Yeah. a record's the same way. Musical notes are the same way. They do fit together. They have a way that they function. They have a way that they work. And that gum it. That's interesting. Yeah, that just is interesting. So learning stuff is really fun. Yeah, learning how stuff works to me is just so fun. So. You know doing work is slightly satisfying, but l- the learning part of working on the house is what I like the most now yeah. i now I know some I did not know <laughs> and that's re- that's the most satisfying thing, yeah now I know you've done some
1: audio engineering stuff like assisting and that kind of stuff. you used mm-hmm. to work with Aaron is that yeah,
0: right yeah I did a bunch of records with Aaron Sprinkle from probably two thousand and eight to 12, yeah. somewhere in that time. Were you
1: like second engineering or like what were you? Yeah, so everything, I, I just, we had done like a couple
0: of records together and on the last the record that he did, we did in Shallow Seas we sailed. I am mm-hmm. basically moved in. I was started on that record by myself and then I, I said, alright, Aaron, you want to help? You want to do this record? And so I took my recording gear, my computer and set up down to this compound and where his studio was and put all my stuff in, in a spare room Yeah, and set it up. So I'd work on what the tracks and what I was composing putting together and he would help and we just worked on it together Mm -hmm. and when that record was done i was like okay i'm i'm here now (laughs) i got it like i just kind of (laughs) like then i just worked there from then on so then it was like he was gonna do another record for somebody else that wasn't us but i had my stuff there and we were working together and he's like why don't you track the guitar and drums i was like yeah definitely yeah and so then I tracked the guitar and the drums on the next record that came in and then I'd go and edit and work on it and track the second guitar player in my room while he was working with the singer in the other room mm-hmm. and so that was it it was just like well this was easy this worked so good yeah so he would so I would just be the engineer for his records from, from that point on for a you long time you just
1: figured that stuff out on your own by doing it basically
0: yeah, yeah just from seeing it over the shoulders yeah. of
1: people for two or three were records were you always curious about it when you guys were recording and that kind of stuff yeah like, just curious it's, the, it's just all what curiosity what does that do like what does yeah, this
0: so the first record we did i thought this, this the talent that ed rose has doing this is unbelievable i can't imagine how he could ever hear that that is that way or how did he know that it was so crazy but i watched every second of what he did and i thought it was f- totally foreign then we did our second record with sprinkle and i was like oh man that's crazy he's totally different he does this way and this way so i wonder why he doesn't do it the same way that ed does this and we did our third record with somebody else <laughs> and during that record i'm looking over the guy's shoulder and i was like huh but maybe what if you did it could you? What if you did it this way? Like, what if you move this over here? Open this plug-in on that, or what would happen if you did that? Yeah. And then by the end of that record, I was like, Hey, do you do you mind if I sit down for a second? <laughs> <laughs> to the guy, you know. And then after that, I was like, Okay, just it's my I, I know what I'm doing. Let me do what I let me do what I want to <sighs> do and see if it works out. And then the first thing I did, it turned out good. Yeah. And so then I just okay, I guess I know how to do. I didn't think I did. Yeah. I just I was interested in it until I understood it, and now I can do it.
1: I'm just sighing because I feel bad uh, that I did not get more curious yeah. earlier on in my life. Right. Like it took me to, I had so many opportunities, so many hours spent in the studio with bands, mm-hmm. uh, just hanging out, well, whatever, but you can't, like whatever. And I, and I just think of all the time I could have easily with Aaron True. or with anybody like that. I could have been like, Hey man, let me, uh, you know, do like do this thing. And it took doing the podcast right. at 46 to like figure out logic yeah, but, and like whatever. But you know?
0: I would, I'd <laughs> argue that you've been curious about things. They just weren't those things.
1: Right, so broad. In my, a sense, mine's you been can't, like broader. Like, how can I do this operational thing on a big, right. bigger level? But
0: in a sense, you can't really control what you're curious about. Right. But what you are curious about, you can be immersed in yeah so like let's just say somebody who says they're bad at school they can't remember history right whatever some of those same people are steel traps when it comes to sports statistics it's not doesn't make any sense it's not that they can't retain information years dates stats it's that i'm interested in sports i'm not interested in history yeah but i don 't really believe that there's much in the talent or and i don 't believe you can make yourself care about something you don 't care about right but the stuff that you can care about you become like a you, and that 's everybody it's just people are, are sponges for for different things that they 're interested in yeah but you I trust me you you 've been interested in you're curious about stuff and those things you you learn yeah and that 's all there's to it so curiosity <laughs> is the more is the most valuable quality not like who pay, can pay attention or yeah. learn that doesn't you that's not really the, the valuable quality. qualities, the curiosity.
1: So much missing information. Like uh, I started playing drums like two years ago, uh-huh. all because I finally had a drummer friend tell me that the reason I couldn't play the kick drum uh, uh-huh. or play independently with my feet was not some sort of uh, birth defect that I assumed that I right. had, but right. it was just muscle memory. And I was like, muscle memory? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, there's Absolutely. stuff you can do to just play that or like whatever. And I went in there and, and they had one of my drum instructors at the school kind of show me some stuff uh-huh. to break out of it next thing. You know, I'm playing drums. I'm like, why why didn't I do this like twenty years Absolutely. ago? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, you talk yourself out of stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, like saying, Well, yeah. I can't do that, I'm not that guy, but you, you you can I know, you're right. You know, I just don't think I just think you can do whatever you want to do, but you can't uh you you can't manufacture what you wanna do. Like right. you can't say, I want to want to do this. People say I wanna be a graphic designer, I wanna be a musician or whatever mm-hmm. but those are just the words. But there is some downhill force of the things that you're actually yep. interested in and care about that your actions will show. And that's the real thing.
1: Well you can rewire your brain. I'm reading this mm-hmm. book that my wife recommended to me that's all about this new science of neuropathy and everything uh-huh. and how you can even even stuff that people say they blame their genes, like, oh my oh, dad yeah. was this or that or like whatever. It's like it's been scientifically proven that you can yeah. rewire all
0: the different stuff in your brain to yeah. change well, your Well the behavior excuse to, like, you provide yourself, yep. well that that, that that that's too complicated. Yeah is what you're but you're using that as an excuse to avoid thinking really or avoid some responsibility is what i what i would suggest there it's not that you can of course you can but it's a little bit easier to say oh i can't yeah i'm not this yeah i identify as technically not able or (laughs) or whatever it is right you know yeah and but that so removing those barriers and uh, is probably the first thing you could do but of course your brain can do anything yeah if listen, you, listen to us today, kids. You can do it. Well, today. yeah, I mean, they, yeah. I don't want to say you can do anything you put your mind to. I'm just, no, I, I would try to avoid, like avoid saying yeah, saying it like that, that way. Yeah. But, you, but, you know, there's a difference. If you do in,
1: something enough, you can probably get good at well, it. If you really put in the time and try it.
0: If you care about it, you can do it. Yeah. If you really care, care about something, you can definitely do it. Definitely. Yeah. The way I look at it.
1: Yeah. So how much longer do you think you keep this stuff up, man, this uh, life stuff? of yeah, living in the bus and yeah. doing the shows and all that kind of stuff? Uh,
0: I think I crossed a bridge a little bit ago where I I would like to identify as a lifer in the sense of to be an independent creator. Mm-hmm. I think I could say that pretty relatively confidently right. that I'm going to podcasting uh, all different I sorts of things I want to make be involved in creating things and be well, I mean I guess I could say my own boss or whatever like yep. you know I, I might start work on do stuff or have start other ideas yeah. and companies and stuff I'd like to be an independent per- I, no there's not any part of me that has any gravity toward working for somebody right I'm not sure if I I'm not saying I would never do that yeah but I don't I, I feel like I don't know if I will ever do that. That's where I'm trying to get. Yeah,
1: that's where what that's like to me, living the dream. When and you if I have to, I don't
0: thing. know what the things I'll get into. And of course, I'll play music as long as people will come hear it. I enjoy it; it's fun. Yeah. So I'll do that as long as 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 it, I can. Yeah, but. um, I'm more committed to being an, an independent creator, yeah, and and hopefully push, help other people, and work with other people on new ideas and new platforms and new art and new stuff. Yeah, there's so, there, that'll never be exhausted. It just never will. There'll be always be a new thing to to do. Yeah, so I think I can. will continue to. I think I'll have the the drive to continue to do to do that. Yeah, and then figure out a way to either make money at or, you know, I, those, those things will come second. Yeah. And that sounds like a pipe dream and a, <laughs> uh, you know, first world problem or something. No, but no. There's stuff that can be done and made and I'm very excited about it. I don't see that drying up. I like and your I uh, cautious I think I'll be optimism. able to figure out how to turn it into ma- making sense or money or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you're doing Bad Christian, you're doing mm-hmm. Break It Down. Yeah, I heard some rumblings about maybe a
0: network and like mm-hmm. whatever. So like, what's the next like thing for you? I'm working on a, a podcast network right yeah. now. Uh, it's called Jabberjaw Media mm-hmm. is the name of it. And so we're gonna try and put some other shows together and figure out how to help more people make shows that maybe wouldn't otherwise have shows, and then figure out what the future of this medium is going to look like. Yeah, and I would love to, ideally, if I'm pipe dreaming, uh, I want to be progressive. I want to try to create podcasts that are better than podcasts are right now yeah so there's the ultra good podcasts that come from staffed radio entities or whatever yeah and then there's people just bullshitting like w- we do yeah um we being in me not you <laughs> and you know you know i think podcasting's in a low Quality face. Yes. And it's still awesome. Yeah. So there's nowhere to go but better and better and better quality. I mean, TV shows used to be like Hogan's Heroes and Gilligan's Island, yep. and Gunsmoke, or sure. whatever. And now we have Breaking Bad and Sopranos and mm-hmm. these things. So I think podcasting will have a similar evolution. Yeah. I would love to be in on that. Progression of going from these clown shows we do now to the next level and the next level. I'd like to be figure out what that's going to be. I I would progress with the medium, and I would love to do a
1: narrative uh, type show. I love those uh, types like serial and those kind of things where they follow like a story all the way down. I'd love to do that. So
0: I look for talent on that and have meetings with people all the time and people. Tell me good ideas. So, like, I mean, how fortunate is that that people hit me up and say, I like what you do. Here's my idea. Yeah. And that's I couldn't be more excited than to be in a position where people want to talk to yeah. me and tell me the great ideas. That's, that's cool. the most electrifying thing possible, to hear other people's creative ideas, yeah. and they actually want my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to do. <laughs> well, I'm a fan, and you can
1: pass on a message to those uh, clowns. I'll tell the other uh, clowns. Joey and Toby. Tell them less news, less, less pastors over, with know. no answers, and more science. More. <laughs> that's what Billy says, more science. That's my vote.
0: Yeah, I don't ever prepare that. That's my fault. I don't ever really get it. They get bored when I do it. It's like, maybe this will be the week. Maybe no, this will be the week. they get bored end. when I do it, and it, it takes more prep work, so I, I don't I have to think of something ahead of time instead of just wing it. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate
1: you, man. I appreciate what you do. Uh, I think I told you I loved that when you told Pete Holmes that his flowery uh, Hollywood bullshit. Yep. was maybe one of my favorite. I had to podcast out a way to get out of
0: that because I thought he was a bit intense. <laughs> he with, was really with getting, his agenda. He was really in getting out way. there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's like you rejected Christianity for this hula baloo yeah. of whatever yeah. is going on here. <laughs> well, I
0: thought that was a well time too. I'm glad that people like that. But it was, I mean, I thought it was appropriate. I think he took that whale. Well, so I I'm, yeah. I'm, no, I'm it, was good.
1: it. I did. That was one of my favorite moments. So that'll be up there for sure. Well, it's great to see you today, man. Well, Thanks thank for you taking much, the time. Really. Uh, stay safe out there. I'll put links in that you guys are yeah, on the absolutely. road here with Emery. Make sure everybody comes out and sees you. And yep. um, it's cool to hang out today. I love loving
0: stuff that you're doing and with Mark it. and the other stuff. So keep it up. Keep thank making stuff. I can't can't wait to hear what other stuff you get into thanks man you too absolutely i appreciate it yeah you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com Shh. hi i'm emma
1: and i'm joe and, and we're, we're the, the professional, professional book, book nerds, nerds. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen. And as always, happy
0: happy reading.
1: reading. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor. And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world each week we dive into a specific topic be it a french dish an ingredient or a french cuisine cooking technique my guests are all about french food so
0: come join me on fabulously delicious the french food podcast bon app